All right, boys, prepare to be dazzled. Welcome back to the Kaiju Apostle Podcast, show where two seminaries discuss and read way too much into giant monster films. I'm David. I'm Chris. And in this episode, we're discussing the 1975 film Terra Mega Godzilla. Join us this is our dear friend Fabus here. How are you doing, Fabus? Well, I'm doing pretty good, David, even though you're doing your best impression of Michael from, from aka the Kaiju Groupie. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's cool. I, 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 no, honestly, I was just thinking because being at a car dealership, I hear the auctions yeah. all the time. I'm like, oh, he's going to do this. I'm like, you're not even saying anything. <laughs> that, that, but... makes me, that makes me think of my dad because he buys cars from auctions. So I know all about that. Wait, and, he's in the crowd doing that same thing? No, he's not. But like, <laughs> I, 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 I know it. I know well enough how crazy those car options get. It's nuts. But Faye, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, also considered. Um, what things are there to consider? <laughs> existential dread. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> just a day in walking. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Faye's they... still really upset that Godzilla vs Kong hasn't come out yet. So. <laughs> yeah, there's that. This that would have come out two weeks ago now, and that's wild to think of. Anyways. Um, wow, I already rambled as much as I usually do on my 20 unreleased podcast episodes. Fantastic. Anyways, um, yes, hello. You guys have heard me before if you listened to the Brit to the Making a Bridge episode I did, mm-hmm. which is still one of my favorite podcast episodes I've done. Thank you for that, David. Absolutely. Thank you. So as I, as I informed people there, I got into Godzilla when I was very young. I got into it probably from the most unconventional way possible. Faye, I, I didn't ask you. Yeah, How did you on. get into Godzilla? Oh, I'm so sorry, David. You're t- I don't even need to be on here anymore. We'll just let you <laughs> yeah. run with it. I'm taking your job. I'm sorry. Oh, thank God. Someone finally doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys, this is the true reason for the hiatus. We're, we're merging Kaiju Fossil Godzilla Roundtable. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, let me stop grouping off. I'm so sorry, David. I'm ruining your podcast for <laughs> Yeah, you're know. only bringing it upwards i know i was like you can't really fail downwards from here too much so <laughs> anyway, anyway proceed yeah i got into godzilla from the most unconventional way possible from what i've heard because i got into it from an animal planet documentary like i talked about a bit on the building a bridge episode mm-hmm. i saw it on animal planet after my dad had been trying to get into godzilla for years where he sold to me as a giant t-rex fighting a giant triceratops still have not okay. seen that triceratops but <laughs> Close okay. enough. I, I got what he was going for. At least he got Godzilla being a T-Rex mostly, right? Yeah. So so after all that, I, I saw this documentary and I specifically remember specifically turning on Animal Planet and they're talking about King of like, oh my god, this is so cool. What is this from? And then I see it and I go to my dad and I'm like, seven, six, eight, around that range. And I'm like, oh, do you have any Godzilla movies? Because my dad had a massive VHS collection. <laughs> so I was like, so I was like, do you have any Godzilla movies? Like, yeah, I have Godzilla 2000. So that 4th of July, I can't remember what year we watched it, and I was hooked from that point on. So is Godzilla 2000 the sequel to Godzilla 98? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be. Yeah, practically. A lot of people, a lot of people <laughs> thought it was, and that's why it didn't do well. Yeah. Which is funny. So yeah, and then from that point on, it was just full steam ahead. And it is funny that it was Animal Planet of all things, but yeah. I mean, I would say probably one or unorthodox way of discovering Godzilla is like Chuck E. Cheese or Foot Locker or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's really 
I don't know. I could see it happening. Yeah. So so that was me. <laughs> that I, I, Chris, that look. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to know where those examples came from. <laughs> um, this $4 dollar bottle of uh, organic wine from Trader Joe's. That's where it came from. <laughs> Herb Bertlinger's fruit wine. Honestly, like I love this stuff. Like I'm not a huge wine guy, but as Mallory started, I think it's called like Shaw. It's it's super good. I don't like. I don't know. I, I get heartburn if I drink red wine, but this stuff's really good. Um, in honor of our favorite movie, Shaw Godzilla. Yes, <laughs> one of yes. two I own on DVD. <laughs> Fun fact: I might actually bring a flask with me to church next week because we can take you know the wafer side of communion, but they're not doing wine, so it feels really weird. So I might do that. Mm-hmm. I'm totally down. See, 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 not to get hashtag on my own religion but that's always, that's always interesting to me when i hear of other like like i don't i don't do is it still okay to call it protestantism honestly yeah. okay because like because like my mom's nomination is, is under the protestant umbrella and that mm-hmm. has no involvement at all like there's like no catholic elements at all yeah and uh so it's interesting when i when i see like that hybrid oh. of elements in a way pun intended Ah, <laughs> I love you, Chris. Um, so Faye, twenty unreleased episodes of a podcast. Like, yeah, are you just planning on releasing all of these when the world goes to crap here in the next few days? Because tonight is election eve. Like, what's going on with the podcast? Why have you been procrastinating so much? Like, <laughs> what podcast is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, for what podcast it is, Chris? It's the Godzilla Roundtable featuring me. And two other people, one newbie, one casual. I I totally did not casually rip off you guys in Monster vs. Men, not at all. I, as we as we like to call it in in the film business, I'm homaging you two. Mm. This is a family <laughs> podcast. Don't homage us. Only <laughs> do <after>. homage. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's how how we're doing it. And practically, it's because it's so much fun recording and so much fun watching these movies. And it's much less fun editing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's been taking so long. And practically also because I sent editing to the fourth person in, in this project and he's been busy. So it's a matter of, did you edit it this weekend? Got busy. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> that's just how it happens sometimes. And because editing takes a long time, as I'm sure David knows. Yeah, I've had to learn a few shortcuts and there's just some times where I'm like, screw it, we're, we're rolling. And see, it's not really the audio for me because, like, the audio for Godzilla Roundtable, I like to have almost like a raw approach to it. Mm-hmm. But then, though, I like to do a visual comedy with the YouTube video portion, <laughs> and, ah. and that takes a long time. I have to sync all that stuff up. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, pff, I'm way too lazy for that. Yeah, so that's that's what takes so long to get all those hot, great visual gags. Like me putting a picture of a mugging up when my co-host talks about how getting mugged isn't fun. Got to get all those great gags. Man. <laughs> that's why That's why we don't post pictures of ourselves. David has like four tentacles, and I won't tell you where they're coming out of. So that's why we don't have a big YouTube section. Chris, you weren't <laughs> supposed to talk about that. Well, that was when, shared in secret. When Faith starts <laughs> editing our YouTube videos... 
okay, now, now see, if I was getting paid, maybe my, my work would No one ever said anything about money, Faye. <laughs> so, I guess mm. so you do the podcast as well, but mm. remind me, so are you a full-time um, content writer, producer, whatever, for something ghoulish? Like, talk about that, because I know you did the uh, the Comfort Women article here earlier yeah. this year, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, talk about that, because I know you do some writing as well. Yeah, I'm also on the editorial board for, for Something Ghoulish, and I still editorial haven't... Editorial board, there we go. <laughs> I still have imposter Words. syndrome over that, because I'm like, wow, I'm surrounded by a lot of really talented people. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, I really liked my last two articles, like you said, the one from August was about Ashiro Honda's past and mm-hmm. that whole thing and the whole stuff with the fandom accepting his role in, in war crimes. And also, I did my piece on 9-11 and why I feel like stuff like Cloverfield and World of the Worlds doesn't really represent the entire experience, mm-hmm. while stuff like the MonsterVerse and the DCEU kind of captures it more from an Arab-American perspective. Yeah, I've been meaning to read that one because I wanted to like actually sit down and focus on that. So thanks for reminding me. Mm-hmm. No problem. Um, do you have anything else that's coming up that we should be knowing about? Or well, no, not yet. I haven't read anything yet. I'm very inconsistent with my writing, as as you can tell by my twenty I'll backlog pod- podcast episodes. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I'm for. I hopefully quality, not quantity. Amen. All right. So speaking of tentacles, um, Chris had mentioned that he has never seen the trailer for the upcoming Godzilla anime, which is not the three movies that even if we don't come back to the show, we will discuss at some point because mm-hmm. they're phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I am talking to you, Matt Parmley. So Chris, I have shared the YouTube link in the chat. So, oh, see, I'm already on YouTube, and I'm curious: is the trailer why the Godzilla anime failed? Is it um, Godzilla anime? Was it that bad, or is it the one that says I will now rant about Godzilla anime for 15 minutes? Yeah, Which one it's... of those is the trailer? <laughs> oh, or is the trailer this one? Anime trilogy officially self-immolates. <laughs> Oh, oh either way, I'm fandom. For whatever just I'm uh just type in singular point chris um just singular point hmm. yeah and it'll pop up uh as godzilla singular point taylor trailer teaser uh godzilla the planet eater trailer <laughs> the oh one-eyed one-horned purple kaiju eater oh my gosh okay i just opened the trailer and it started without an ad it scared me really bad um, <laughs> we're on top of it okay I'm playing the trailer, so you can all watch my reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I can watch the trailer in your glasses. This is like a jazzy Jurassic Park theme. It's like an attack on... That pterodactyl is like attack on Titan. Flesh. <laughs> is Ultraman a robot? <laughs> It looks like like the concept art from uh, Rodan and King of the Monsters, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So for our viewers at home who are just watching my reactions, um, there wasn't Listening. a lot of like content in that. <laughs> that was there really was quick. a lot. 
I was actually, I remember being, I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, they'll show like one or two new monsters, but they showed like five. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was not expecting that. I almost, well, I almost didn't click on the real one because it was only a minute long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that can't be right. Um, especially when this one is an hour long critique <laughs> the anime. Oh. oh my goodness. So anyway. Uh, so so what were your thoughts? Oh. Man, you just down that. It looked like <laughs> um yeah, our viewers at home can't see the wi- or the whiskey shelf behind me. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. Really make this show sing. Um <laughs> Yeah, I could see I could see why if you're a fan of the monsters, this would be something for you because that's pretty much all they showed mm-hmm. so it's probably it's kind of interesting like in terms of watching these movies because i have a familiarity with all the, the monsters but i don't know who's in what movie mm-hmm. uh, like the one that's in today's mm-hmm. i have no idea that they were paired with mechagodzilla but like uh, it could be interesting to see the way they shove all these into the same storyline yeah. hopefully yeah. in a not fan servicey way but that's my only concern is like not fan service in the way of like all the monsters, but like fan service in the sense of like, I want rule 34 to stay so far away from Godzilla. <laughs> like if you want to do that, whatever, just please like, I want, I want Toho to force people to be creative with it. I don't want it to just to be easy pickings. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing <laughs> is I didn't see Minya. I know, but so- you gotta save the best for last, right? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. What about you, Faye? What were your thoughts when you saw the trailer? Well, I well as as you saw because I was I feel like I must have been like one of the first few people to, to notice it because I was like refreshing Twitter and made an instant saw so I saw a link I was like oh my god what is this and then I was I was freaking out as, as you saw because you were the first one you saw me I was like camera Jaguar what the heck Titanosaurus yeah. losing my mind and then I then I calmed down I was like yes this is very cool. And then I had a crippling, scary saw hit me. In one year, this poor thing is going to get torn to shreds by the fandom. And that made me feel sad. <laughs> because, I because I just, at this point, and I don't want to be like like a negative person, but it just hit me. I was like, okay, this... I, I, I just cannot see the fandom be entirely on... Okay, and I guess here's my thing. I have a feeling it's going to be child-friendly. Mm-hmm. And more for like a preteen show in any audience and I don't mind that. I think that's gonna be really fun. <laughs> and I'm actually excited Jet she's... Dabber. Jet Dabber. <laughs> for context for anyone who cannot see our screens, Chris dabbed the moment I said preteens. <laughs> and that and that made David break into song. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Hey maybe you really should do our YouTube channel. <laughs> For our last episode. <laughs> okay. But, we keep interrupting Faye. <laughs> That's just how it goes. That's what friends do. But yeah, so preteen. Yeah, yeah I could see that. I, I, I like just to me, just the vibe of it, just the look of it, knowing what the prior artist has worked on, and also the fact that the writer goes for more of a lighter tone, at least in what he's done so far. Mm-hmm. And I guess my worry is because I've just seen from the Phantom, like, there's this, okay. There's this weird concept, I guess, I'm seeing, where the Showa lighter stuff is getting a big reevaluation. 
but at the same point i feel like it's like okay that was great for the show era shove that aside no more let's get dark let's get edgy let's do nuclear warfare every single movie nukes 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 and it's like i'm not sure how the fandom will react to something that looks as fresh and unique as this i have mm-hmm. to say that's just my way like and i i've just already seeing the seeds of it and i and, and i just want to preface it i think it's entirely fine to not like something and i think sometimes that gets contrasted too much but i think also fandom has a big issue of not knowing how to be constructive with its dislike of something yeah and i think that's where i'm concerned especially when you have the hype at this level i feel like the bigger the hype is the bigger the explosion when it's not what everyone built in their heads to be mm-hmm. and i and that's my worry so i'm excited for it as a project but I am not excited for the fandom's reaction, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think sometimes the most critical people towards Godzilla stuff are Godzilla fans. Yeah. Which Chris and I, we can relate with Star Wars, Star Wars as yeah. we've seen with the most recent episode of The Mandalorian and everyone splitting hairs about Aftermath. Mm-hmm. You've seen it more than I have, Chris, but I'm just like, yeah, oh my I God. got subtweeted for the first time today. Yeah, I like I was surprised of all of the people to get subtweeted. Like yeah, you. I'm so kind and considerate and compassionate and lovable and cute. Yeah, you're on your way to sainthood at this point. So honest to God though. So yeah. here's my question for you two. Mm-hmm. Very serious, very important. What are the top, let's say three kaiju you want to see in this project? And I'll say mine after you're done. Okay. Because it's the best mm. list. I'll let you go, Faye. Well, number one. I've been waiting for a while. I almost got him in Kingdom Monsters, but Toe had to screw me over. Baragod, my boy, I'm waiting for him. David, is it okay if I talk about stuff that's not officially confirmed yet, or would you rather I hold off on that? Um, let's hold off. Okay, so I'll so I'll keep it number one. Baragon's my number one. Very mm-hmm. happy. Um, number two, I'd like to see Kamakris come back. Because mm-hmm. Kamakris, I feel like, is one of those mm-hmm. underrated mm-hmm. monsters mm-hmm. who doesn't really show up too much, but I love praying mantises. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then num- and, and then number three, I kind of want to see a Heisei or Millennium Kaiju come back. So I'm going to go with Megagirus, because I think Megagirus fits the tone of this. I can see a that. Lot. I can so, see that. So those w- would be my top three. I Can I say who I don't want to see come back? If you say Minya, we're booting you. It's not Minya, I swear. Okay. Thanks. I was like, I, I'm pretty close to hitting the stop button here. Okay, what's up? <laughs> King Ghidorah, Mechagodzilla, and Matara. I don't want to see any of those three in this. I have bad news about the movie we're discussing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. This was yeah. before Mechagodzilla showed up like 500 times. I will take Mothra. I'm fine leaving the other two. If it's done right. Mm-hmm. Like, Mantra would be the one I'd be most open to because I mm. think you could do her son in, in, in interesting ways. And she wasn't King of Monsters that much, I feel like. Yeah. Like, she had the least screen time of all of them. Like, like even honestly, what I think Rodan fits with the kaiju they're using here. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred him taking a step back because he was such a big role in King of Monsters. But okay, they're doing dinosaur stuff. That's fine. Which, yeah, by the yeah. way, if I, if I can add an honorable mention, Gorosaurus, come on. It's been ages. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, like, King Ghidorah, no, he's been the big bad villain of two movies in a row i'm i'm good no king adora and mecha godzilla i'd rather see the other mechs get get a focus like jet jaguar let mm-hmm. them get to get the screen time for once yeah 
yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where with Mechagodzilla, I just, <sighs> yeah, I just, the, the, the amount of times you can come up with a creative way to incorporate Mechagodzilla, which we're not going to get into the anime trilogy, which I thought was unique, but I don't want to spoil it for Chris. So yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but David, just to say without context where you'll get, but Chris won't. When I when I saw what they were doing because I was watching it with someone, we were both like, "Oh my god, yes!" About yeah, it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, so for me, mm-hmm. I would like to see Kumanga because a yes. freaky anime spider would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if they could do it right, I would not mind seeing Biolante. Ooh. That would be an interesting twist if they could do it right. That's yeah. kind of a catch. Um, apart from that, I am probably going to have to say oh, that's hard. Um, I wouldn't mind some Gigan love. Ooh, Gigan would be cool. I wouldn't mind some Gigan love. Not the Final Wars Gigan, like stereotypical <laughs> Showa. Gigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chris, we're just weighed with bated breath. What do you what do you <laughs> got for us? Um, I think Giant Condor would be a great addition oh to the list. I knew this was coming. <laughs> um man, you know that um let's do Mechanic Kong. Not Kong, but Mechanic <laughs> And don't even mention why he's called Kong. And then Instead of saying what you think I'm going to say, I'm going to actually say that Godzilla T-Rex hybrid thingy that I saw on a Google search once. Oh, Godzilla source. Oh my god. That's yeah. not real. Um, I'm going to retract <laughs> Biolante, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say the Gargantuas. Oh, that would be interesting. Would they war? <laughs> oh, they would just war it up, man. Okay, also I need to be is there mm-hmm. going to be space women or only human women? If there's no space women, we riot. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm Kilara, not going to watch man. it until I'm sure I don't even right. care. Gamera, just bring her in. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, that being said, we are actually discussing a movie tonight. I know, right? And, again, it is... Terror of Mecha Godzilla released mm-hmm. on March 15th, 1975. If Harlow just would have waited four more days, she could have had a birthday with Mecha Godzilla, Terror Mecha Godzilla, and I could have called her Katsura. But <laughs> unfortunately, that did not happen. So I did not mm-hmm. get to name her that. That is part of the contract. So that being said, Faye. If you yes. could read this plot summary that I wrote in approximately 45 seconds, that would be wonderful. All right. Well, I'm going to do my best to give you a beep, David. So let's see if we can, if we can get this going. Yo, yo, yo. We are phoning it in for this plot summary that will shortly begin. Say we are talking about Mechagodzilla's terror, even though there's another beast who is quite better. In fact, you might say she's the victim of this tale, controlled by a scientist who is mad as hell. Between Interpol, cyborgs, and aliens once more, the best part of the film is the fight of the dinosaurs. I told them we were phoning it in. It's been a heck of a year, so let's just move on to the meat of, the, of this podcast here. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was better than I thought I would do. You know, everyone says that, though. They're like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, trust me, just 
not this time, but I was just like, channel yeah. your, your inner Dr. Seuss. You'll be all right. <laughs> so, staff-wise, directed by Shiro Honda, written by Yukiko Takayama, produced by the one and only Tomoyuki Tanaka, music is Akira Ifakube, cinematography by Motoyoshi Tomioka, and special effects by the one and only Teruyoshi Nakano. Now, for our context and trivia, I wanted to keep it short because I knew we'd be talking a bit. Uh, really big thing to talk about here is Takayama was the first female screenwriter in the franchise. That is, she won a story solicitation and was brought on to write the entire script instead of bringing on Sekizawa, which, as you can tell, it's a pretty unique script. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, that was the right choice. What do you think? Well, it, well, well, if I could start, because I didn't want to talk over Chris. Nope. Um, Go for it. I was gonna say I really think that this story and this script to get into, I guess, my mix of various point of views. I feel like this script has a very female perspective to it, mm. and it's and it's a very, I guess, to say in an unconventional way, it reads as very feminine in in some ways. Like I think Katsura in in particular is probably my second favorite or my third favorite female character of the show era specifically and i think that's really helped by having a woman write her yeah and no, i think I, you, I get, you get stuff i feel like this movie is more in its head more i feel like like it's very mm -hmm. it's very um, preoccupied with mood and emotion and it kind of reminds me a bit i guess to make some perhaps wild connections of like mary shelley's style with mm -hmm. frankenstein like that same very in your head approach to science and, and, and its impact on people we do love we do love deep grabs and long stretches so <laughs> please continue yeah so yeah and I, and I was gonna say so yeah katsura i think is, is the biggest example of that but i think also just in how much the story is focused on emotions mm -hmm. and, and i think that's kind of comes from that feminine perspective that she brings yeah. to it and i really do enjoy that it's very unique Godzilla film, not even just for the show era, but for the entire era as a whole. What about you, Mr. Gender Studies? Now that you know that it was a female <laughs> screenwriter, how did do you, oh, does that gosh. change anything for you? Or? Uh, it does feel like it's like it got a little darker, but it doesn't feel like edgy Grimlord, which mm -hmm. I appreciated. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know. I I kind of wondered. I, I could tell that I think the writer was different because the way Mechagodzilla himself is different mm -hmm. than he was in the first one. So I kind of figured it wasn't the same writer. But man, sometimes I'm just like trying to remember character names or what's happening. So I don't know if I pick up on all of those things. Yeah, now I get that. Chris, it's time for the poll. The last minute poll that I did because <laughs> I was mentally checked out all week. Yeah. Oh, man, you closed down replies on this one for some reason. Oh, because uh, I knew it would turn into an absolute dog pile considering the content. So I yeah, that at I, the I had a feeling when I saw it, I was like, OK, David's preemptively striking this. Uh, well, <laughs> so so here's the question. Wow, this got a couple of votes, didn't it? Yeah. So the question is, why do you typically watch Godzilla slash kaiju movies? So you were all wrong. So <laughs> the choices no, were... No, not everyone was wrong. There was a good well, chunk who were right. 69.5% of our respondents were wrong. Yes. So uh, number three, the typical reason you watch these movies is the overall story or plot. 
Um, erroneously, you all voted and only put Minya at number two. And um, the the option you accidentally clicked instead of clicking Minya, you said monster actions slash effects. So I know that this was this was only rigged monsters versus or giant monster messages accused us of rigging. Mm-hmm. But it's actually just user error, and I'm really sorry to say that on the show because I know I'm calling out all of our listeners. But you know what I will say in a moment of confession is that. This was kind of a, it, it was nice to actually see the results that we got because, and I've talked about this on the show, is when I got back into the movies, I kind of, for a, a brief spell, had that mentality of, well, it's really the, the story that matters. Like, why would you watch a Godzilla movie only for the monster action? You're only going to get like 15 minutes worth, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, God, I'm being such a jerk. You know, and then, so, like, seeing those votes, I mean, yes, you didn't vote for Minya, therefore you go to hell. I get how it works. <laughs> but, you know, just seeing people being honest about that, like, I've kind of gotten to that point now where I'm like, I get it. Like, there there are several of these films that I would only watch for the spectacle, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's okay. There's There legitimately is nothing wrong with that. And it's taken me a minute to get to mm-hmm. that point. But it was nice to see people answer that mm-hmm. way, because even if I don't agree... Mm-hmm. You're entitled to feel that way. See, for me, I was actually a bit torn, torn on this one. Not Minya. I'm sorry, guys, but but this but this but this time I, I didn't go for the joke option. I'm so sorry. What? I'm sorry, Chris. It's not a joke. You said joke I, option. I don't. <laughs> was that the fourth one? <laughs> I will say I had a couple people message me. I'm like, I'm very conflicted. I'm like, just vote Minya. Yeah. Just vote Minya. I, I, I was conflicted. Because, like, really, like, when I, but I guess I just have to stop and say, okay, hey, when you think of the Godzilla movies you like, is it just the monster stuff you're thinking about, or is it the full package? And that mm-hmm. is mainly more the plot and the story. And for me, it's the full package. Yeah. I have to, I have to have a good plot and human stuff for me to fully love. But here's the thing, though, which I'm going to say, I'm coming at it from a very different perspective than most people. Because not to be like one of those, well, actually, I'm some like really premium person. But well, like, you've already for me, just established yourself as that by just saying that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no other way to put it. Because, and, and that's not to say my perspective is better. It's just I have a different perspective because like I I did film school for like two semesters, which doesn't make me better. It just changes my point of view a bit. <laughs> and for me, I'm very in my head with movies where I like to analyze movies and I like to like discuss them, really break them down. That's why Whoa. the episode of sort of roundtable I did with, with David about All Monsters Attack ended up being over an hour easy. <laughs> I was analyzing what All, All Monsters Attack means. That so that's so just fun. So that's just how I approach movies. So for me. I can only fully enjoy something like where I say, okay, yeah, that's the best of the best. If I like, like follow those parts, which I know might sound strange coming from me, the King of the Monsters Defender, but that's, but that's because I have a very different perspective on human stuff than most people. I feel like maybe someday I'll, I'll find others. I'm, I'm joking around. I found plenty of others who also <laughs> see, see my view of King of the Monsters human stuff flies that way. But yeah, so that's just kind of how I have to enjoy it. But I think though, what are people mainly watching these movies for? It's the monster stuff. Yeah. No one's coming to see Godzilla if you switch out the title to like I don't know Sarazawa 
or like for example like you like you change this movie's name to katsura people are coming to see it mm-hmm. because of the stuff and if you get a good human plot it's almost like the icing on the cake i feel like yeah like it's unlike say like for example because i've saw this a lot with superhero stuff and star wars stuff you're coming to see it for the characters like you're coming to go see like star wars for like luke ray anakin etc etc so super so you're going you're going to see it for Batman, Captain America, Spider-Man, Superman, et cetera, et cetera. What Godzilla though, he's a different kind of character. Where he's not per se the focus or the main character of it, but the plots about him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it like different. Because yeah, at the end of the day, we're all going to go see Godzilla for Godzilla. And I think that's the thing. Everything else comes on top of it. And I don't want anyone like lying saying, oh, I was always into human stuff. Come on, when you were a kid, you weren't watching these movies because of the humans. <laughs> and I think sometimes Mm-mm. people people forget that as we become as we become old fuddy duddies, debating the meanings and the becoming funny duddies. Me- <laughs> becoming the meanings and the seams and yeah. how well character development is, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's fine. But like something like like David, is it okay if I go on a little bit of a tangent? You already the, are, so keep about Godzilla Roundtable spoilers. <laughs> like, for example, we're watching the Heisei era, uh-huh. and Crash, who, for people who have not listened to my show, is the new person to it. His favorite Heisei stuff has been so far besides Return of Godzilla, which I'm very proud of him for that being his favorite. His t- other two favorites so far, and we're nearly done, are in order Mecha Godzilla 2 and Space Godzilla. <laughs> uh, I'll take Space Godzilla. And that's the thing, like people, and like he's like, he's like, yeah, Biolante has better themes, but I just have way more fun with Space Godzilla than Godzilla too. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, in my opinion, that's entirely valid. And I yeah. don't think like that's a wrong way to go see a Godzilla movie for Godzilla. And I think that that's something I think the fandom sometimes loses sight of. So it is interesting and kind of neat for me to see that result, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's. The tough thing is being honest and humble enough to look back and realize where you've come from. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can apply that to anything, whether it's film opinions or even political views. Mm -hmm. You know, I've said it once and I'll say uh, more than once, you know, no one is born woke, right? We can sit here and try to judge each other for not being, you know, politically active or all these different things. But we have no idea where people have come from, nor has everyone started out that way so if we would actually have a little bit of grace with each other and compassion it would go a long way and we won't come off as snobs so mm-hmm. i i definitely agree with that um because i know there's a lot more ranting ahead of us so <laughs> the twitter discussion for this movie uh the prompt was well it's here y'all the last film of the show era terror of mechagodzilla unless you're a literalist and throw in return of godzilla but that's besides the point And boy, does it end with a bang. Wow, my voice cracked. That was wonderful. Uh, What are your thoughts? Underhyped, overhyped, lay it on us. So Joshua Payne, um, his reply was, it was one of my first Godzilla moves, actually. Second, if I remember correctly. I think Verse Mechagodzilla is a funner film. That music is undeniable. I agree. And this one is a little sloppy in execution at times, but I can't not love it. Come on, Doug will negatives, man. Um, but man, it really nails some other stuff as well. Uh, Michael Hamilton, you know, the kaiju groupie. It's well-paced and very fitting into the golden age of Godzilla fans. Films, excuse me. 
Hashtag Showa forever. The end of the Godzilla fans. Oh, it's finally come. <laughs> and uh, Tanner Wrong said, I wouldn't say overhyped because it is fantastic, but it's always been treated with much more love and admiration than its predecessor, which I think is a decent chunk more entertaining. I will add, outside of the original Gojira, it does have the best tying in of the human characters to the kaiju, probably until the 90s Gamera trilogy. So with that being said, Christopher, what were your <laughs> thoughts on this film? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of liked it. Is that an understatement? <laughs> no, I... I did kind of like the return to a little, and I, I, I really hesitate to say this, but I like the return to a little bit more of a darker and serious tone. Mm-hmm. Not because mm-hmm. I'm like, kids are dumb, kids shouldn't have stuff made for them, but just well, because... <laughs> I'm a dad, I, I can agree with that. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so when we get to Godzilla Paw Patrol, I might have a different opinion. Claw but... Patrol! Claw Patrol! <laughs> Okay. Watch so well. Watch that just be sing singular point. Everyone's shocked. <laughs> we know the Toho lawyers are listening. So yeah, honest to God. So the hiatus is really a cease and desist letter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I appreciated the turn to something a little bit more uh, serious, but without getting like grim dark about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't edgy, but it didn't feel like it was. The camp was a little gone, and that was a little sad. Mm-hmm. But. I really kind of appreciated, and I, I don't know if it was like a theme, but like the juxtaposition of like the robot and then like an actual like, because Titanosaur is legit like dinosaur, right? Yeah. So it really felt like a good kind of bridge from where we started, of like super powered or supercharged actual animals, mm-hmm. but now all the way to like the man-made creations. I think it was like a really good kind of like. I don't know if they meant to make this the last one or whatever this return of Godzilla wherever mm-hmm. he went. Um, but it's a good it's a good bridge to kind of say like where we've been, where we are, and kind of incorporate all of these elements together in a blender. Mm-hmm. But there were also boobs in this movie. Excuse me. I was waiting for no it. No one warned me. <laughs> Jeez. You're watching Not with your pastor the- and you're like, uh uh, I can explain. <laughs> Yeah, I've never seen a boob before in my life. Trust me. <laughs> I, I do trust you, Chris. <laughs> Seeing that face, which no one else can see, I also trust you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it is a it is a bit more serious. Which yeah, I'll, I'll share my mm-hmm. thoughts on that. But I think that's a very uh, very good mm-hmm. observation. And it's not. Thank you. Again, you're right. It's not edgy, right? We're yeah. not getting into the territory of like. I don't know what everything is nowadays. Um, we'll go back to Christopher Nolan, Batman, right? It's not <laughs> grim dark, but it has a more serious and somber tone than mm-hmm. the previous films have. So what about you, Faye? Uh, to say it lightly, I love this movie. This is one of my top 10 favorite Godzilla films, easily. I like, like, like I'm a Chris was saying, I love the return to the dark tone, which a sync, of course, comes from Honda coming back and like, just his style with these films mm-hmm. for the most part. I say that's a big part of it too. But honestly, like, especially now, because I went back and I watched some of the 70s vampire trilogy that Toho did around the same time, the Bloodthirsty trilogy, mm-hmm. it can kind of feels almost like those films in a way. Like mm-hmm. this, like this very gothic, tragic romance 
in in a way, which feels more horror than anything we've had in a while, like the old abandoned house, mm-hmm. Afune wanting revenge, Katsura being forcibly transformed into something against your will, which is very much in line, but which reminds me of Vampire Doll of the Blood Sister trilogy. And it's very interesting to see that. And I feel like it's kind of symbolic of where Toho was at this point. I think it's definitely like the one of the movies that shows like what Toho's style was at the time, really. And also there's just this sense of omnipresent bittersweet sadness to it that I've come to appreciate and almost dig in a weird way. Like, like there's nothing more bittersweet to me. And honestly, this entire franchise than that final shot of Godzilla going back to the sea with the Akira Fukube scene playing one last time and in that, in that very bittersweet, Oh, I don't know what instrument it is because I'm, I'm, I'm not good musically. David would probably know. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But just like that one last, like, like note you get of Godzilla going back into the sea and the meta knowledge of that being the final time of, for this Godzilla, it just kind of comes, comes together in a very bittersweet package, especially with how dark and heavy the seams of this movie are. I also do agree. It also has a bit of that fun element too of the 70s. So it's a very interesting molding of how Honda, of Honda's take, I feel like, on like what's going on in that 70s era of Godzilla. That's interesting you bring up the Bloodthirsty trilogy because that was actually mm-hmm. one of the replies to our prompt. Um, someone had mentioned that as a very gothic feel to it. Um, yeah. something that I never really picked up until I watched it again. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, I think for me, like, I grew up watching it when, I think the first time I saw it, must have been like 10 or 11. Um, I remember having some friends over from church, and we went to Blockbuster, and they had it on VHS there, so I bought it back when mm-hmm. you could actually buy movies um, at Blockbuster. And... Mm-hmm. So is the dub, of course, but I remember watching it and just being like, I wasn't expecting, I'm trying to remember actually what cover it was, because I think it had a couple different covers. Let me see here. Terror of Mecha Godzilla VHS. Um, yeah, it didn't have Titanosaurus on the front. Um, I don't know about the back. So I was a bit surprised to see. Mm. I remember being surprised to see another monster in there. Um, cause it was the one that's like digitally remastered and Mechagodzilla looks like a weird, his head looks almost like a samurai helmet. Mm. Um, but yeah, by and large, it's, it's a moving film to me. I think it's something that I think the relationship between the, uh, marine biologist and Katsura is a bit forced. Um, mm-hmm. that's God, I, I mean, I, when I was 13, I fell in love in a couple days, but um, as an adult, I don't think I could do it that quickly. <laughs> um, but, you know, nitpicks aside, I think it's a probably not as fun of a movie as Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is, but it's mm-hmm. one of those ones where I don't need it to be fun. Like, it's the human plots engaging enough and there's it's compelling enough to get me to that ending. And once the fights happen, like, it's some of the best that we've had mm-hmm. Um to the series so far. I mean, the music's good. I wouldn't say it's Ifakube's best by any means. Um, it's a bit repetitive in my opinion, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, of course, the twist with the uh, Mechagodzilla head, that's always fun. Um, although I think it's interesting, you see Mechagodzilla's head getting 
torn off the same time that uh, one of the aliens gets uh, suffocated, you know, choked to yeah. death at the same time. I thought, I never noticed that till this time around. I was like, ooh, that was <laughs> clever. Um, so yeah, it's a good film. It's a good film. It's definitely one I don't watch with my son very often, though. Mm. Um, yeah, this one's on the more mature end, especially, yeah. um, uh, which I guess for most of us, I was curious, I want to ask, David, the dub you saw, was it the one with the weird intro they gave oh. it, or was it, or what? I couldn't tell you. Okay, because I was wondering, so because I remember the one which I grew up watching dub-wise, because I also saw it originally first from Turner Classic Media. Oof, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, was the one where they didn't change much. They only cut out, of course, the boobs, and then and then I think they cut out Katsura's I can't remember if, if, if the if the TCM edit cut out Ketsuru's, but I know they cut out Ketsuru's boobs, but it's practically unedited. But then there's the other one, which has a lot of stuff cut from it. It mm-hmm. has the weird intro. Hmm. I, I was curious. Yeah, Anyways, I, don't, I don't remember. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, yeah, I didn't even realize there were breasts in the films till I saw the um, here recently on DVD. But that mm-hmm. that's what's funny. That's not even my concern with my son. I was like, he's breastfed. He's seen boobs before. <laughs> um, but it's just more of a I'm 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 becoming more and more aware of like the difference between Ultraman and Godzilla. Like Ultraman, you don't see people shooting each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Godzilla, you do a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been that concern of mine because he's paying attention more and I hear him talking about guns and wanting to play shoot people and I'm like, yeah, we need to just nip that out of the bud. So mm-hmm. this I one I kind of stay away from because of that. So until he gets a little older, but okay. So I know we had some talking points already established, um, Chris and I, but I know Faye, you had some stuff you want to yeah. talk about as well. So kind of wanted to give you a few minutes here to share some of your thoughts, kind of diving in um, before we get to the mm-hmm. talking points. Well, for one, which is interesting, and I think that this is like a big mess of terror for me, and one mm. that really sticks with me, and it kind of reminds me, because I was, I was watching it recently for for our own episode on Roundtable, and I and I really was reminded of a lot of like, which is my first favorite episode of of, of the show, as I've told you before, David, mm. is Frankenstein conquers the world and what it means to be human. And I think this movie conquers, not conquers, oh, <laughs> <laughs> talks about that in a very big way too what it means to be human and and, mm-hmm. the, and the value of a life and i think it tackles but it, it has an almost it's very similar but at the same point feels almost a bit darker mm-hmm. in, in in its conclusion than frankenstein but almost though and i guess here here's my thing and i and i guess when, when i when i think about it because i'm as i think about it more i'm seeing more and more similarities between the two films Frankenstein didn't ask to be the way he was, and he and he also died at the end of the film, sacrificing himself to save everyone. Mm-hmm. And Katsura also didn't ask to be turned into a robot, and she dies saving herself too. And I think in both ways, and it also also kind of reminds me also. I talked about this in our own episode of going back to Astro Monster Two, where you have Ama. Oh shoot, what's her name? Kumi Mizuno's ex alien character. Um. Pe- 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 people are going to tear me apart for not knowing. So I, have, I have the I have the meme. It's uh, Miss Namikawa because I did oh, the yeah, Bernie. I did the Bernie Sanders. I am once again asking you, where is Miss Namikawa? Okay, okay. there we go. Yeah, because with Namikawa, she also sacrifices herself for practically her humanity, and I think that's an interesting trend you see over and over again. 
mm-hmm. with Honda, because if I can be one of those people, please. You may. <laughs> this is also something you see in Honda's earliest films. Mm-hmm. Like, like like in Blue Pearl, I don't want to spoil anything, but you see this in Blue Pearl and Skin of the South of people sacrificing themselves in a way to regain their humanity or over their guilt. And I think it's just interesting to me, not only because the fact that I think Honda thought a lot about what it means to be human and the value of life, but I think also just tying into Honda's own past, I think it's interesting. Like a lot of stuff, which I remember... How dark can I go on this? Go for it. Because then I just like, and I don't want to, okay, why am I saying this? You guys always make like crazy connections. So let me go, go wild. <laughs> Please. Like, you, Please. you know who you're talking yeah. to here. And I'm just reminded of, 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 of a story from the Honda biography, specifically what Honda wrote in the film magazine in the 60s about his time guarding the comfortable woman camps. And, oh, let me look at this real quick first to make sure I'm not mis- misremembering anything. I don't want to, because this is very serious. So I don't want to get canceled. Yeah. So I don't want to mess up and say something that didn't happen. So I'm going to just look. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kaiju Apostle podcast. We wanted to thank this episode's sponsor, Blubbo's. Make sure to try out their Thick and Nasty Burger, new for a limited time only, endorsed by the one and only PCP. And if you've got the kiddos, make sure that you try out the crappy toy meal. Again, Blubbo's. Register does not contain more than 50 doctors. Okay, this is okay. Okay, I I was misremembering slightly. I'm glad I look now. Okay. Okay, I, I'm I'm good now, and like it's just kind of um. Uh, oh wait, David, do you want me to do a natural Eden back back into it? No, I'm gonna have some like hold music. You're good. Okay, <laughs> and like and like what it really like reminds me of is the stuff which like Honda saw in the comfort woman camps, and how like comfort woman well not comfort woman quote unquote I want to put that like very this was not the appropriate term it's what Japan made up. To cover mm-hmm. up pretty much sexual slaves. Yeah. And it's basically reminds me of what Honda said he saw the woman do to try to keep their humanity and keep themselves going and what happened there. And I kind of see ties to that, especially in Blue Pearl and Skin of the South. Like just that idea of how to keep going even if you've lost everything. And I think that's interesting to see there. Mm-hmm. And just that idea of like of like turning to stuff and just how to keep going yeah that's just something which is on my mind with that especially because those these characters in honda's films for the most part of, of the four i'm thinking of three are women even if honda only didn't write every single one of these films it's still something that i think is interesting in my mind yeah even if he didn't write them he he kept it in there yeah you know so so here, here's my question for you then. So what I'm noticing mm-hmm. here, and I'm not talking about cons- consent in like a, a sexual context, but like mm-hmm. what we're seeing here is characters, whether it's, you know, old Frankenstein or um, you have the, the, the female characters is people who choose to end their own life, right? Yeah. And 
maybe it's a tired trope. You could argue that one way or another, but I think it's interesting that they choose to do that, Mm -hmm. right? That's not something that is being forced. Like, obviously, Godzilla could have beat Titanosaurus or Mechagodzilla without it, potentially. Mm -hmm. But we don't know that. That's a choice that Katsura made. Um, The same with, you know, Namikawa. So, I don't know. I'm just, am am I... it's just, I think it's interesting. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just, I've noticed that too, is again, they, it's, he's giving, or the, the movie is giving these women freedom to do things that aren't necessarily socially acceptable. Or I don't think euthanasia, mm-hmm. um, or I, is that technically the right phrase to use? Um, See, I guess, and I, and not to cut you off the, I also think part of it though, is I guess also that cultural view of suicide in Japan. Mm-hmm. versus it in, in the West from like a very Christian Judaic yeah, yeah. perspective. Like like in Japan, suicide from from what I've gathered and just like my own readings. So for, if any if I'm wrong, feel free to drag me. From what I've it's always viewed as a way to take control of your own destiny. Okay. And not to have it be taken by others. And it's kind of a final way of affirming your control over yourself, hmm. which is part of why I'm a. I oh shoot, let me make sure I'm saying it. I'm pretty sure this is the term though. Yeah, okay, yeah, I am right. It's like it's like the it's like Sopoku because Sopoku's big thing was, you can either be captured, and forced to do stuff you wouldn't want to do, mm-hmm. or or you can kill yourself and go out on your own means. Mm. And I think that's why you see it a lot with those characters because in a way it's practically a form of them finally gaining independence and finally taking control of their destiny no longer having it stolen by with by others and i think particularly with, with women where you had namikawa forced into being a spy by the male zulians if mm-hmm. cuts were forcibly transformed by the black hole aliens we never see any female black hole aliens yeah. You also have um, uh, Mafune being the one who let them do this to her and then let them f- further alter her into becoming Mechagodzilla's basically computer. And and I think, and then of course with Skin Itself and Blue Pearl, that's very much there too. And I think that's something that happens again and again of Honda showing women taking control of their destiny. Interesting. Hmm. Do you have anything to share, Chris? No, I like that though. Yeah, it's see, a good read. Yeah, I, I'll agree. I I think it's a good read. Um, I would argue, and this kind of gets into our first talking point. I don't know if he necessarily let it happen in the beginning, the first time, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the things I really, so we're talking about the Honda biography, right? One of the things I don't necessarily agree with, uh, Rifle and Gatacheski is that Mifune is a a caricature of a character. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is the mad scientist trope. I get that. But, you know, you're looking at someone that has been shamed and kicked out of his field for sharing what's arguably mm-hmm. logical beliefs, right? So at this yeah. point, you know, if we're saying that the movies come out in the years that they're released, which is a normal practice, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 15 years ago at that point, Godzilla would have been established. So I don't really get why people would be surprised that there would be oh, a dinosaur. See, see, funny enough, 
not oh man i hate how i'm gonna sound but i have to say it i have to go um actually yeah, but, yeah in, but, but, in, but in my most recent view in the film i found out that's actually a misinterpretation of the scene okay how i read it what i've seen that makes more sense it's that Mifune wanted to then control titanosaurus mm. and, and play god and control animals that because you notice when they talk about later when they go back to the professor from that same college as him they, he doesn't talk about oh yeah that that lunatics out there was a dinosaur he was like mafune wanted to control animals and this yeah, university yeah. or some yada 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 was like and that's not right that's that's an affront to god per se mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure they say it even like i'm pretty sure they say it like that or at least that's how the subs put it on hbo max yeah and, and that and me, that's where mm-hmm. i got conflicting yeah. because there is that like well hey no the dinosaur is real we can prove that your dad was right so i don't know if it's a uh, it seems kind of, I, I do remember what you're saying there, but so mm-hmm. point is either way, like he shouldn't, he, he obviously we can get into the, the science element later, but we're dealing with someone that has lost his wife is yeah. dealing with frustration and anger and, and, and embarrassment too. Right. I mean, you've invested all your time in academia. It's a very mm-hmm. competitive field. You're getting kicked out. So you're, you know, you're trying to do this on your own. Um, with your daughter, and then all of a sudden your daughter dies, right? And all of a sudden these guys just show up out of nowhere and grab your daughter. Like, you're kind of shell-shocked at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I've noticed about the character, and I don't think it's a caricature at all, mm-hmm. is that he takes that resentment and that pain that he's held onto for so long, and it eventually just turns into anger, right? And it's not just towards the people who wronged him. It's towards everybody yeah you know he 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 has this axe to grind with everybody he has this chip on his shoulder that not it's not just proving himself but he's willing to take this this animal that Mm -hmm. is not asking to be controlled and using it to really just you know take advantage and to take revenge on everybody like that's where Mm -hmm. you know katsura is like you know are we gonna you know, let Titanosaurus join the ranks of all these other destructive monsters, and he doesn't care. But mm-hmm. it, it's just it's it's tough though, because like I know how it it feels to be in grief and and anguish. And you know, I was thinking about how in both films, you know, in verse Mechagodzilla, um, he has this ethical decision of what am I going to do because my daughter's life is in the balance. And we see him with a different character but the same actor with that same decision. But this time around, he doesn't make the ethical decision and people do suffer as a result. So I say all of that because we're dealing with a character that clearly is wrestling with a lot of pain and he's not, it's not your typical mad scientist just like, well, I have been cast out. Therefore, you know, he's, he's lost so much. And when that pain and that that sadness just festers and it festers. I mean, you're talking almost two decades worth, right? Like, yes, it's it's comical or outlandish because it's a monster film. But I think in my own life, like what that untreated bitterness and anger can do. And it's not really that surprising. So I guess I bring all that up because I guess maybe you don't have to share anything personally, but like do you do you feel any sympathy towards this character um mm-hmm. do you do you find yourself relating to that i guess because you know without getting into specifics i can think of an instance here recently where you know i've seen someone who's just in so much pain and anger 
And it went from like not understanding why this person would be this way to now like being like, you know, I have I have in essence, not like a, I don't want to sound mean, but like I do have pity and compassion on this person now because they are in a lot of pain and they've just they've sucked this pain in and they've embodied it and they haven't let go and it becomes a cancer in a way. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's just what I see in this character is it's not some mad scientist. It's it's someone who has lost almost everything in his life and he's just fighting for some kind of control. Mm -hmm. See, I see. I honestly agree with you. I, I wouldn't read Mifune as, as a caricature at all. If anything, I feel like he's, he's almost a deconstruction of, of the mad scientist mm -hmm. of like what could make someone become like this? Like, why is someone the way they are now? And I think Mifune's reasoning is very valid, even if it's of his own making, even if you do interpret it, like I said, of him being kicked out because of his ideas of animal control. It's it, it's like, does that ruin um, uh, sympathy for him? In my opinion, mm -hmm. now, especially when you see how conflicted Mifune is about it. Like, I think he's a very sympathetic character, and I think it makes his end where he's just pretty much unceremoniously gunned down while being used as a human shield. Yeah. All, all the more Texas. Yeah, that is that was All the more tragic, noticing that this no, yeah, yeah. I noticed that this time around, just like how disposable he really was, right? And I mean, granted, he didn't mm -hmm. really play by, you know, the uh, by their rules, but at the end of the day, I mean, he was just a pawn in their scheme too. You know, they were both using each other, and yeah, that was that was a bit hard to watch this time around. I was like, ooh. Mm -hmm. and, what about and, you, Chris? And, oh, sorry, oh, go sorry. ahead. Oh, no, no I, was go gonna, I was just going to say real quick. And also, like, because the aliens really do butter him up and, like, mm -hmm. take advantage of him at his lowest because they chose to start it when his daughter is dying. And it's like, yeah, we're going to save her. Now you're in debt to us. Mm -hmm. And then they butter him up with, yeah, you're going to be a great man. You're going to be in charge of everything. No one will laugh at you again. And they, like, they gave him back his daughter. They tell him he's going to be great. And I could see why Mifune went along with it, even despite his own reservations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want a chance to have their deceased loved one again? Like, that's a very normal feeling, you know? So, yeah, what about you, Chris? Well, I think the, the success of any good character is that you can mostly sympathize with them in terms of the circumstances. But mm -hmm. it's the decisions that I think that really is where you have to dovetail. But yeah, it's hard not to see some of this. Um, now, even just like personally, not thinking about certain events, just in general, like the way bitterness does just kind of like emanate. Like it's hard to be bitter at one person because you could be bitter at like someone for stabbing you in the back, but suddenly you're bitter toward anyone who supports them at all. Yeah, and then bitter towards anyone. Just, you know, it it's easy to see how it spins out. So, it is a it is a careful. It's a telling picture of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's the tough thing is. So I, I I know it's kind of a cheap analogy or story because I've talked about it before. But like you know, when my parents got divorced, you know, my dad was my best friend. I mean, there's just no way around it. And so felt betrayed, right? He's off with another woman, mm -hmm. all this stuff. And even after like we made amends, I never really forgave him. And I felt like, you know, I thought I did, right? Mm -hmm. you know, and you think like, okay, well, we're moving on. And I remember 
you know, it was right before I got married to Mallory, where it was actually, you know, at the ceremony and he pulled me aside and just along the lines of like, you know, if I could have done this differently, I would have, I didn't realize how much I hurt you guys and this and that. I just remember being in tears and like finally like forgiving him and realizing that even though I thought I did, I had still been sitting on years and years and years of like <laughs> bitterness and resentment towards him. And I just remember how freeing that was. Right. And I say that because it is one of the most empowering things to hold a grudge. Yeah. To to not let go of that. Because again, we as human beings, we want to have that control. Now, obviously, if if one prescribes to a Judeo-Christian belief, we are we believe that, you know, God is the enactor of justice, that all wrongs will be made right. It's not necessarily our place to do that. You know, if we are enactors of that justice, it's out of his desire, not our own volition. So it's one of those things where like as a Christian, I've had to learn to let go of that. But I don't want to. Mm -hmm. When someone wrongs me, I want to hold that over their head. I want to just to not let go because, well, they wronged me. I'm right. They're not. You know, I deserve justice. I deserve to have this right. And it's just it, it, it's this little seed that just blossoms. And before you know it, it's almost like your entire body is just consumed by this singular thought. And it, it's just, it's so, it's not even empowering, it's intoxicating, mm -hmm. right? You don't really have power, but you feel like you do. Mm -hmm. And until you actually let that go, then you're like, oh my gosh, you can breathe again, right? You actually know what that freedom and that, that, that it's what actual like, contentment feels like but you can't you can't drink from a fresh well if there's if there's poison in there right and mm -hmm. that's what that bitterness and that anger is and that's what was so what i love about katsura's character is i mean obviously yeah she's a cyborg but like you see her wrestling with that with here is my dad that is so driven by this 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 anger and this passion but then i'm experiencing probably her first human experience in what almost 10 years 15 years right and it's someone that's just super kind and compassionate and it's it's transformative it is mm -hmm. you know when when she always she's surrounded by the aliens and by her dad it's just negativity so of course she's going to be steeped in that and then she experiences selflessness and compassion and friendship and it changes her right and mm -hmm. it's just it's, it's to me, that's the biggest message of like what letting go of that can do because they're at the end, like we talked about, she makes that decision to give up her own life that she had been given twice over already to preserve the life of others. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> like we were talking about in the last episode, like yeah. if it's save my family or save people, I, I probably would save my family, to be honest. I'll be selfish mm -hmm. and say that. I, Yeah. And, so. and, and, and I think that selfishness is almost innate, but I've talked a lot, so I'll let Chris go. <laughs> if no, he I, no, if you got something, I'm totally interested. Uh, because and I was just going gonna, to gonna say, like, I'm a, like what you were saying, David, with, with that, and I, I think that's almost like natural like, like here you have two very big motivating forces for him to save the only person he has left in his life who is mm -hmm. his own daughter on top of it and also like that rage and resentment which i can get from my own past and i think everyone can 
and I and I really do think Mifune is pretty deep. And I have to shout out. I hate how I don't have his name remembered just by default, but his actor Serizawa's actor, uh, uh, Akihiko Harada. I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say it sound it sounds dumb. <laughs> You're good. And like I really because like something which me which when on our podcast mm-hmm. something which Crash Pilot I thought was a very interesting way to view him. He's almost like a dark reflection of Serizawa. Yeah. Like, like basically everything Honda feared from science and like what a scientist could be if they valued their own personal feelings over the good of man. And I think that's an interesting point of view because Honda, I think, still does it in a way where he's not evil. He's just very much misguided. And I think that's just interesting with Mifune. No, I agree. It's, uh, again, yeah, I wouldn't say he's evil, but when you've let that anger and that bitterness mm-hmm. just steep and manifest and just like germinate in your body, it's it's hard not to be warped by it. But mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're irredeemable. It's just you have to treat that before you can act otherwise, right? Yeah. It's just it's crazy how powerful bitterness and resentment can really be. You know, it's if you don't, if you don't check yourself, you wreck yourself. That's, yeah. that's all I'm saying. But um, last points, I mean, it's tied in there. I don't really have a whole lot that I had to share here. But one of my thoughts as I was watching the film is how far should science go, right? Yeah. And obviously science is a pretty generic term. I understand that. But mm-hmm. the thought of, well, we're trying to control animals we mm-hmm. are trying to cheat death um at a certain point i feel like it, it's kind of ties into this I, idea of progressive bleh, 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 progressivism where mm-hmm. everything in the past is bad and everything in the future is good right so now we're trying to progress and better ourselves but there's a certain point where i question that right because now we're seeing the existence of like gmos we're seeing mm-hmm. the existence of processed foods i'm not going to stick on food ideas but like there's certain things that we've progressed and made develop some developments on but it's not necessarily a good thing um mm-hmm. so that's kind of an interesting thought for me is you know especially the idea of being scared of death like death is a very natural thing um yeah. no matter what you believe in life whether you believe in uh, eventual resurrection, whether you believe in uh, reincarnation, whether you believe in just, you know, Lion King circle of life, you just go to the dirt and you're eaten by gazelles and they're eaten by lions. You know, we we all have some view of death and we know it's inevitable. No one lives forever. So mm-hmm. what what drives us to, I, I guess that's kind of the, the thing here is what drove him to go to these lengths. Like, what would have even inspired him to want to control animals, right? Obviously, he doesn't talk about that. But if given the chance, would you guys cheat death? Like, would you, Mm -hmm. if there was someone in your life that you loved and you were scared of them leaving, I mean, if you had the opportunity to preserve your life, would you? Um, As someone who's looked into being a hospice chaplain, like I've had to talk about, you know, the idea of like quality versus quantity of life, right? so mm-hmm. that's I kind of wanted to open that up to both of you. I didn't really have any thoughts to share, but I'd be curious to see what you both thought of like mm-hmm. not necessarily what the movie tackled, but maybe just your thoughts towards that progressive science uh, in general. 
I, uh, Chris, do you want to go first? Or should go I go it. first? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are letting me get out of my soapbox a lot today. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, with, uh, with science, I guess, and I feel like, like, I've seen something interesting with Termic Godzilla specifically, is it's kind of its idea of science going wrong is almost about science being used to basically bypass consent in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you have him with Titanosaurus, but Titanosaurus is a naturally peaceful animal, but he's being forcibly controlled to do things that he wouldn't do naturally. And that idea of controlling animals forcibly, which pulls into the fact of animal mistreatment in science and in a lot of ways, like animal testing and stuff like that. Like that mistreatment is something lesser per se, quote unquote, just because it can't communicate. Yeah. And then you had the fact that Ketzer was forcibly made to live way beyond anything that she would want to, which is part of why in the end she kills herself because mm-hmm. she doesn't like what she doesn't like what she's become. Uh, I think it's more with science. I think it's more a cautionary tale about how far do you go before you start violating basic rights of life. Yeah. Of, of of beings, not just humans, but also animals, and I'm sure you could probably apply it also to plants. And I think it, it it's an interesting idea there. Where well, well, plants? <laughs> eh, it's going too far. <laughs> Liberals, ah, friggin' tree huggers. <laughs> of like, okay. of like, Sorry, of like, anyway, of like that idea <laughs> of going too far, where you're violating something's right to just be free and be themselves. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's an, that's an interesting perspective on it because I don't think it's like a lot of science gone horribly wrong where it's not like creating like, a, like I don't know, Omega Bacon Saurus or whatever. It's in a lot of like this kind of stuff. It's just the idea of just doing something morally wrong by forcing people and things into something they wouldn't want to do or want to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting perspective on, on, on it here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I always... it, oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was, I was just gonna say, I always kind of think about like, there's something within the human psyche that never seems to think that extending your life beyond its natural means is a good thing. Through like, mm-hmm. I can't think of like one movie where they're like, actually, it's good that you extended your life. And yeah. I'm not saying that because like, my value system is based on pop culture. But it does seem to be that like, baked into humanity and who we are, there does mm-hmm. seem to be like this revulsion this repulsion against artificially extending life mm-hmm. and it's that's it's strange to me because i think we'd all want to if we all had the choice mm-hmm. but we kind of accepted i think kind of Faye, i'm not trying to put too many words in your mouth yeah. but something you were saying about like kind of this natural end mm-hmm. that like um we know that it's not to be transgressed as much yeah. as we'd like want to i, I don't know if i agree like mm-hmm. I want to like I but here here's my thoughts so, like we had a dog his name was Chief he was the best dog in the world and I will stand by that statement you can sue me mm-hmm. if you disagree um but I think he was 13 um when we ended up having to put him down but I say that because at a certain point he just gave up right I mean he didn't die mm-hmm. on his own volition but like he just stopped fighting the issues that he had and I I'm not a zoologist, but I feel like there's maybe a general consensus that like animals know when they're going to die, right? Like they, they, they're not necessarily fighting to preserve their lives in a way that in my experience, I do see that 
with people. I do see people like, I mean, it's, it's talking about, well, how many years of your life can you, can you add on if you cut this out and cut this out? We're always talking about how long we want to live. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not like I'm going to be, you know, freaking RoboCop and live forever. Like we don't have people talking about that, but it's all about like, well, I'm going to go on, God, what was the freaking diet that everyone was doing about the caveman, like keto? Oh, was that oh, it? Oh, the, 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 um, uh, the Santa Clarita diet. The paleo yeah. diet. Yeah, pale, paleo diet. Yeah, paleo diet. There you go. So like, mm-hmm. you know, our whole 30, I mean, I did that once and that was actually really cool. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's all these different things that we do to try to preserve our lives, which I'm not saying that's wrong. But again, I, I, I go back to this idea of quality of life, right? Yeah. You know, where even the ethics of chemotherapy, I mean, cancer is horrible. There's no, I'm not ever going to say cancer is a good thing, but like mm-hmm. I have seen lives ruined because of chemo. It's just this mm-hmm. desire to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. And then the chemo almost makes it worse. And mm-hmm. obviously you don't know until you try. I understand that. But I just, I don't know. I, I think there is this, this, this fighting drive in us to try to keep living as long as mm-hmm. we can. We talk about how if someone dies at the age of 40, uh, their life was taken too early, which you could argue yes, but you could also look at what they've done with their life and be like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, it, it's, it's a complicated topic for me. And that's part of the reason why I've looked at hospice chaplaincy, because mm-hmm. I don't think life should be measured by years. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. Um, so yeah, yeah I'm not trying to be mm-hmm. pedantic. I just, I don't yeah. know. I think there is something in us that we do. We're scared of death and we mm-hmm. want to keep, living even if it means we're well, stretching I, well, ourselves I, I, thin. Well, I think it's interesting because to use my vast mythological knowledge, <laughs> like 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 one of the earliest poems we still have from the Mesopotamians, specifically um the Sumerians, is the is is the poem of the death of Gilgamesh. And it's very much unlike like usual like usual mythological ends because Gilgamesh is an old man at this point. Mm-hmm. laying laying on on his deathbed and he's and he's terrified because that was the whole point of the epic of gilgamesh was so much of that second half was him trying to find a way to no longer be able to, was to find a way where he no longer had to die at the end of his life because he was so terrified seeing what happened to his friend enkidu and it's a very interesting poem because it's basically gilgamesh saying he doesn't want to go but then you have all the other gods and goddesses encouraging him to move on to the next life like saying, oh, your friend Enkidu's there. He's waiting for you. And Gilgamesh is still just so afraid and unable to give himself over um, to that like process. Even if he is being told by like literally the gods and the goddesses, it's not bad. We're telling you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've seen it. You traveled there. You know it's, it's not bad. There's something after this. But he's still just so afraid of what happens next. Mm-hmm. Even though he knows it has to happen, he's accepted it. He's still, there's still a fear. And I think that's where you get that interesting dichotomy in pop culture where you do see there you do see that fear of death explored countless times. Mm-hmm. But you also see that, but it has to happen. And I think yeah. that's that's interesting. It's not a tension that is easily resolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um okay. So before we conclude, uh I do need to say I did log into Twitter really quick and I think it's freaking hilarious that uh 
the Shin Ultraman design was announced on Godzilla's birthday. So yes. sorry about that, bud. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's really funny. Okay, so conclusion: we're at the end of the Showa era, and there's a lot to think about. Which mm-hmm. that's why we are doing a recap. Well, not really a recap. It was just kind of a celebration episode. Um, we have our friend okay. Kaiju Kim coming on and joining us there. Um, but in the meantime, Chris, since we are going on this hiatus, um, not really sure how it's going to resolve. But since I, like I said, since I recorded the message last week, you had a few things going on. Do you have any thoughts that you would like to share to the listeners before we uh, kind of start wrapping things up here or... Katsuar is like Jesus because Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Katsuar is some percent cyborg, some percent woman. And Katsuar's sacrifice cuts off their control of Titanosaurus and Mechagodzilla, which is just like Jesus, who took away Satan's power over the fear of death. And then the black hole aliens can't conquer Earth. Now Satan can't conquer Earth. Anyway, hiatus. Um, Yeah, I think um, we recorded that, or David recorded that by himself. Um, Yeah, in terms of the hiatus, I don't know how much I have to add, except it's been crazy to see that it's weird to um, actually feel like we would need to say anything. Because I'm so used to, like, uh, is it Dutch exits? French exits? I don't remember. Dutch ovens. Dutch ovens. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like <laughs> it's just weird to have like people who like care and would miss it. And that's like not what I'm used to. So I'm really I feel really blessed by that. Um, we definitely like just as life kind of catches up to us, it gets a little tougher to keep up. And um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just been blessed by this fandom, despite all of the horror stories I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been cool. I, I've only really had the positive benefits of the fandom. So it's not that I'm going to be stepping out of my very limited run in the fandom, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, just a little time to rest and recharge, come up with some even more bat poopy or insane theories for next time. So, yeah, or whatever we choose to do. Yeah. And that's, that's something that Chris and I have talked about is, leaving it wide open um, to how we come back. Obviously, it's not that we don't enjoy what's happening here. That's not it. But really, we don't we don't know what things are going to look like. And that's okay. We're, we're open to that. And we know that whenever we come back uh, with the show, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> no, um, we just want it to be Right. And we want to be able to invest all of our energies into it. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, I don't think I announced it last time, but if I did, I apologize, but I actually have my own Twitter now. Um, so you can stay in touch with me that way. If you would like, obviously no expectations. Um, but somehow no one has had this Twitter handle before. So it's uh, at kiss you guys. Which, Chris, <laughs> you have not seen the movie that that's from yet, which mm. I'm very sad about that. But so, Faye, mm. before we end, uh, if you could plug yourself, pe- where people can find you again, remind people about, you know, where, uh, you know, your podcast, where you're writing and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you can find my personal account at Fairyzilla on Twitter. I'm pretty much only on Twitter at this point. Um, my podcast is at specifically at Godzilla Round. Hopefully, we'll get to a consistent upload schedule. Fingers crossed. Um, the wider the wider YouTube channel project Godzilla Roundtable is a part of can be found at and fossils, which is which is and underscore fossils, part of okay. Futures and Fossils, which is the YouTube channel name if, you, if you'd like to check us out, or you can just check us out on the usual podcast spaces. As for as for my writings, that will always be on somethingghoulish.com. And on Twitter you can find them at something ghoulish. And that's about where you can find me. No burner accounts we should know about people lurking around and <laughs> harassing people. This would no. be a good chance to come clean. <laughs> no. But in all seriousness, we are very glad that you joined us this evening on the Kaiju Apostle Podcast. So thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, have a comment you would like to share or I forgot to write something for this part. Make sure to let us know over at our Twitter page. Our handle is Kaiju Apostle Pod. Or you can send us an email at contact at thekaijuapostle.com. I already shared my Twitter handle. You can follow Chris at Chris Worms. And that's W-E-R-M-S. Chris, are you watching any Sentai right now? Um, for those viewers unaware, Batman is a children's cartoon character. Um, yeah, I just started Die Ranger, but I think I'm going to watch Ultraman Jeed sometime soon. Mm-hmm. No, you, you, you can't start with Jeed. <laughs> I do what I want. Chris, we're talking <laughs> about this after the show. Also, also, David, that was a very sensual, sensual reading you were doing there. It, there's going to be so many auditory pleasures that come from this episode. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) But until next time. May Mothra watch over you. Godzilla Godzilla empower empower you. you. And Minya bring you joy. (laughs) Try to stay alive. Italian maxim uh, that roughly translates to uh, he who is resistant to change is destined to perish. So why don't you try to open up that mind of yours? You know, it's like, look at Kevin. I mean, he's real mature, man. Yeah, don't you ever tell me how to live my life again.